You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You can just feel a different energy, especially in the locker room. There's a lot of new faces here, so guys are still trying to, you know, feel each other out. And, you know, obviously you have a new quarterback in the in the, in the flow of things. You got a new tight end in the flow of things, different receivers. So it's, a, it's, a, it's obviously there's a lot of um, different moving parts. But I think the biggest thing is that we all want one common goal, and that's just to keep winning games. And, you know, we're having a lot of fun doing it. It's probably the most fun I've had in OTA so far, <laughs> knowing that it's only been the first one. But, um, you know, really excited to see what we have because there's a lot of new guys, and, you know, I think and DA is uh, putting all his chips forward so we can make this thing happen. So I'm um, really looking forward to what the season has. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Subscribe. And that was Jawan Johnson. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting comment. You know, like he he did not, was not, no one held a gun to his head. and <laughs> But he volunteered that it, it feels a lot different. Like the energy feels different this time. I don't know why that is. I don't know if part of it is, Dennis Allen going into year two, he is more confident in that role. He's maybe he's learned from, from some mistakes is a new tight ends coach. Maybe that's part of it. There's a new quarterback. Maybe that's part of it, but either one way, whatever, however you want to explain that he's, I mean, I think that's a notable thing. Like, that he feels like this is a very different energy that Dennis Allen has pushed all of his chips to the center of the table. That's him saying that, not me. But I mean, I do feel like that's kind of what happens. Like you got your whole coaching staff in here now. Like you don't have a an excuse. Like you better, you better put up or probably hit the bricks. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting. No, definitely think that's a huge factor. The DA having a lot more confidence. He has his staff. We know it was kind of basically. You know, he inherited everything last season and the continuity was keeping everybody intact. But obviously coaches go their different ways and some, you know, were by choice and some weren't by this team that they ended up losing. But uh, I I am curious to know how much that new tight ends coach is going to make a difference, too, because uh, we've seen his his past resume has been pretty impressive with some of the tight ends he has worked with. Yeah, and I think Jawan, you know, he's he's an interesting guy like you. You look back a couple of years, he's not even a tight end. He's a UDFA. You don't even know anything about him. He's just a big dude. Now he's like remade his body. Like he's a big guy. Like I didn't get a chance to ask him, but like, I'm sure he's put on more weight. Like last year, I think he was up to like 235, maybe 240. Um, and he's, you know, you're talking about, okay, can he block? And that's the thing Dennis Allen said about Lucas Kroll, can he block? 
Um, and you know, he's the, he's the elder statesman in that tight end room now. Right. He was asked about that too. It's like, what is it like to be the old man now? <laughs> right. And uh, here's what Derek Carr had to say on, uh, on Juwan uh, earlier. On. A couple of the guys, I don't know if I did with everybody, but as I've, you know, been watching the last, you know, few seasons, even going back to when Drew was here, I've been watching year after, you know, year after year, after year and just learning, you know, learning, watching these guys run routes and watching these guys break and catch balls. And I've been sending them clips of things like, do this on this route. Please do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. I've been super positive. I haven't, haven't sent any that I was like, hey, don't do this. You know, haven't done that yet. Trying to build some chemistry. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's some things where you watch the film and you're like, I mean, you guys see it. You guys have seen it more than I have where you're like, wow, you know, he's special talent. And um, hopefully we can get it all to come together for everybody because if everyone just does their job at the highest level, you know, we have a g- good, talented group that hopefully we can score, score some points. Scoring points would be nice. That was definitely not happening last season. Yeah, and I mean, and they've said this in jest, but like Derek Carr is very familiar with a tight end of Jawan Johnson's ilk, right? Like he's had a lot of success for Darren Waller, a guy who I don't think was a no-brainer star tight end when he got into the league. Like they, they kind of built that together, and there's no reason to think that they can't have a similar type of connection. That's why you see Jawan Johnson up the seam. And it's like, yeah, that's got to become like the go-to. Like when you need a big play, he should be a guy you think about because, you know, like Michael Thomas for so many long has, for so long has been like a very impressive athletic marvel of like the contested catch. Jawan Johnson's a more athletic player and he's bigger. And like, he's a matchup nightmare up the seam and you just got to be able to take advantage of it. Uh, and they did last year, especially in the red zone. But I, I think that's just scratching the surface on what that guy can do. No, definitely one of those guys. We've seen that progression and the arrow just continually going up. And hopefully that continues for Jawan because, yeah, he just obviously the great attitude, the body's looking fantastic. Um, and just overall, that, that catchability uh, is so key, especially in the red zone where this team just, I felt settled, had to settle too much last season on field goals. And obviously six is better than three. That's, uh, that's no dummy. You know, anyone can do math there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's two threes. Even you might say. Jawan's also got a baby on the way. I think he's the, they're due in July. So congrats. Perfect timing. The wife's going to love it. You got a new board and he's off to training camp. Right. right. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be easy to deal with. All right, so uh, th- this is just one more clip. Like one thing Derek Carr said that I thought was uh, a good, a, a, just an interesting way to phrase things is he's asking questions. And when he says that, it's sometimes it's actually asking questions. Other times it's just throwing a guy in the ball and seeing what he does. And he did that with Chris Olave and Jawan Johnson today. And I think it's just it's just some good insight into his approach to the game of football. That's what it's about, you know, giving guys chances, you know, make plays. You know, you saw Olave, you know, I had to move like in the thing, but I still throw it. Let's see if, you know, see what happens you know and he goes up makes a great catch and you know that's what you that's what you want to see you know jake made a great one to the to the young buck you know on the sideline like that that's the kind of stuff that young you want buck. to see um you know giving juan a chance down the scene uh, you know you want to test out this time to test it you know um you know and see you know how guys break and um, you know all those different things how they see certain coverages um i'm i'm really just asking a lot of questions you know i'm asking a lot of questions on, from the coaches because i want to speak the same language they're speaking i never want to never want me to say something that's separate from them because that creates division. Um, not that it would here, but I always want to, I'm just in the belief that if we're all saying the same thing, we've all believed the same way, you know, better things can happen. And so, 
um, you know, I'm really just asking a lot of questions. Hey, you know, and I said next to Pete, hey, do we want him to release? No, we want that. Okay, I see it the same way, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, before I just come out, hey, release like this. And they're like, no, <laughs> you know, uh, all that stuff. So um, we're working through all that. But it's this is an important time for me to, you know, get in a huddle and get used to throwing to someone in a gold helmet, you know. Um, you know, I did last year one time. Um, but hopefully not too many more times. Yeah, he and uh, Derek and Foster both both – have uh, poked fun at themselves for that Raiders game last year, which good because <laughs> they deserve it. McCarr, I just love the fact that he talked, he said that now is the time to try things out. Obviously it's like, you know, the, the organized team activities or, you know, your time in camp, it's time to work through things and why not, you know, try something new or try something you're not that comfortable with at this point and, and, and not trying to do it during the regular season, obviously, uh, I just I love the whole demeanor of Car Two, and I think I don't know everything just seems to be falling into pr- place pretty well for this team, uh, despite how grim things were last year. I, 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 a lot of positives to look forward to. I think he has a very calming presence, and I think this time last year there was a lot of questions of, okay, can Jameis be the guy? You know, what is this offense going to look like with Pete Carmichael leading the show? And uh, I do think that we found that the Jameis Pete Carmichael combo was not optimal. I don't know if that's going to be the case in a backup role. I actually think like the saints might have the best backup situation in the NFL. Jameis has been very supportive of Derek. Uh, Derek has said that. And like, I would expect nothing less. Like that's just Jameis Winston. Like you can question whether he can be the starting quarterback all you want. You're never going to question if he's a good teammate. Because he is, objectively. He's a a fantastic rah-rah guy. He is there to lift anyone up. It's amazing. Yeah. No, he's great. He's great. And he's running around. He's The fact that he was willing to stay and be a backup, I think, tells you a lot about Jameis. Because he could have been a backup somewhere else if he he felt slighted by them giving his job away. Right? Like, you, there's a a difference between being a good sport about something and just leaning into it because you believe in what's happening. And that's what he did. So that's kind of cool to see. But for, for Derek, one of the things that I think really kind of cemented this marriage of quarterback offensive coordinator is Pete Carmichael needs certain things from his quarterback. He needs a guy who is going to take ownership of the play at the line of scrimmage because there's no such thing as a perfect play call. There are perfect situations that you get yourself into. And until you see what the defense is doing, you're guessing. So, like, you need someone who's going to go up to the line and be able to identify what the best option would be. And one thing that Derek said that I think is, is, is worth noting, it's like you're not just changing plays to change plays. There's no point in checking from a good play to another good play. That's just a waste of your time. But you do want to get out of a bad play if it's there and you need to be able to identify that. And that's something that I think he's done really well over the course of his career. And it's something he did well with John Gruden, who is a very similar offensive mind to, to what P Carmichael is asking him to do. And this is what uh, Carr said when he was asked about kind of being in control at the line. For me, it's, I I always want to just put us in a good play, you know, and uh, we'll grow to that. You know, right now I'm just, I'm, I'm learning how to say our words <laughs> and get out of the huddle and get the snap and, you know, complete a pass, you know, and hand the ball off to the right guy, you know, and, and all those things. There's a lot of work to go, but 
you know, eventually down the road as we keep building and get comfortable, um, those checks and the things and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, the more I can put on my shoulders, I think the more that I can help the team, um, you know, with my mind, you know, before I even have to make a decision with mom. I thought it was funny too what Carr mentioned. He's like, you talk to Pete Carmichael Jr. for five minutes and you fall in love with the guy. And I was like, I don't know about how Saints fans feel about that one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like from a football perspective, I'm sure like he's he's very effusive. Like he knows what he's talking about. The question I think most Saints fans have is, can he lead an offense? And that's a question I have too. Like I don't question his game planning ability. I don't question his understanding of the game. Like, I don't think it's passed him by. I just question whether he can be a leader of men, right? And that's kind of this, this like, weird, uh, like, phrase that you throw around. But, you know, like, like, like a guy like Demario Davis, for example, you would never in a million years question whether people will follow his direction, right? He's just a, he's very, he's just a commanding presence. Would it never, you never question that about Sean Payton either, and but like a guy like Mike McDaniel, right? I would have those questions about. He, it turns out works out pretty well for him, right? So you know, like for different reasons, but that's going to be something this year that I think is is important is not only having the offensive coordinator, but having the quarterback and the quarterbacks coach and the running back, everyone on the same page, pulling the same direction. Hopefully that kind of bleeds into the season where you can see it and it just feels more cohesive. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. And a lot of t- I've heard that Carmichael is act was actually a more aggressive play caller than even Sean Payton. But I just I don't feel like we saw that. Yeah, it, it it's I think it depends on your definition of aggressive because I actually think that they took more shot plays last year than they had with Drew Brees in the final few seasons. But it's like your baseline. What's your baseline? You know, and like right. a screen isn't an aggressive play call, hmm. but it seems like that if it gets a 40-yard catch and run, right? Like that play against the Packers a few years ago, that wasn't an aggressive play call, but it ended up in a touchdown. And last year, like we didn't have like any screens called. Like that's not an aggressive play. That's just a smart play when you do it right. Um, and so and something like, the team's known for too. Yeah, right. Like if if the if the trade-off is more screens and less aggressive play calling, I'd prefer that one cuz you want screens in your offense. <laughs> anyway, uh, like I I do think that's something. And I also think like it's like okay, yeah, he can put his foot on the throat of a team when you're up 40 points. Like that's aggressive. <laughs> like I think think back to that Packers game. I'm sorry, Colts game, Colts game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But, you know, one other thing that I that I think is worth noting, and I think, you know, I think Jameis, his issues were not about checking into the correct place. So I, like, I think he probably could have got that part of it done. I do think that he struggled to set protections and he didn't do it well enough in the games he was in there, especially last season. I don't, 2021 was a little different, I think, in terms of, 
you know, there, there was a, the offense was a little different. Sean Payton was a little more domineering. He could lead you to water where I don't know if Pete can, but like the protection issues were very apparent from week one, week two, week three. And it's part of the reason he got, you know, eaten alive. And that's why he ended up with injuries. And this is what uh, Derek Carr said on like why he feels the ownership of setting protections, which is not always the case in a lot of offenses. You'll see the center deal with a lot of those protection checks. And in the Saints offense for so long, it was Drew Brees working with Eric McCoy or working with Max Unger. Right. And but this is what Derek Carr had to say. The way I was taught is, you know, if you're in control, you know where your problems are. You know, man, uh, you know, you do all that studying, all that, you know, all that preparation just to you know break the huddle and let someone else make the decision. You know, I, I've always felt that if I, if I, I like to be in control of the game, you know, and I like to make those points and, and I'm not right every time, but if I'm not right, at least I know where my, my answer's at. Right. And uh, with these defenses, it's so complicated sometimes that you're not going to be a hundred percent, but if I'm not a hundred percent, where's my answer? And so uh, I just, that's how I was trained and that's how I grew up, grew up uh, in, in the certain system in this kind of protection system. And so um, that's also watching your big brother get sacked a million times, you know, makes you want to be in control of things, too. <laughs> yeah, he, he saw his brother get abused for sure. He sure did. <laughs> those, man, those Texans games. And Derek, David Carr, I, I called Derek, I called David Derek there. This is just asking for, for trouble. David Carr was a number one overall pick, and you just got toasted in that Texans offense that never had a chance. Was that their very first draft pick or no? I can't remember. I know the Texans were the team that drafted Mario Williams ahead of the Saints right. taking Reggie Bush. And I remember at the time, everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and now if a team decided to draft a running back number one overall, they'd get laughed off the stage. Yeah, Think how times that. change, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, but at that point, everyone was like, of course you're going to take Reggie Bush number one overall. Come on. What are you thinking? Oh, uh, anyway. But he, he Mario was, Williams. He was, 2002, was 2002 David Carr, the first pick of the Houston Texans. The, uh, the Texans history? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes what's, sense. What's, what's crazy, after the Texans took David Carr, the Carolina Panthers grabbed Julius Peppers afterwards. Oof. Julius Peppers. <laughs> yeah. Man, great basketball player. I think he went to the final four with North Carolina. I can't remember. They like, he had some like crazy accolade of like being the only player to go to the final four and do something else. Maybe you go to the final four and a super bowl, <laughs> which I'm sure that is true. Cause you have to play basketball to go to the final four, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely interesting to me of how does that change this offense? Does the offensive line look better? You know, that was something that for a long time, the Mannings, like even as they were declining in talent level and you could see it, their arms were kind of turning into jello and they were never mobile, but like they have this big brain and it's like, you know, you got to put something in the jug head and like they made their offensive line better in front of them. And that's part of the reason they were able to survive for so long in the NFL. And it's like, you, how do you quantify that? Like you don't see it. It's, there's no stat that says like, Oh yeah, the quarterback made sure they, you know, the, the the right guard knew where he was supposed to go on this play, and that's what saved him from getting blown up by, you know, on a on a A-gap blitz, right? Like, there's nothing that, that quantifies that except the play worked. But a lot of times I think that is the difference between an offense running efficiently and an offense bogging down. And so having the quarterback not only taking ownership of the protections but doing it well can change games. Um, and so hopefully that – 
hopefully that's kind of the missing piece that was not there last year. That's my that's my glass half full uh, take on that. No, I think that's actually fantastic just because even hearing Carr at OTAs, just, you know, that voice barking out things. Yeah, we didn't get that last season from Jameis or Andy Dalton. It was all on the O-line. It was Cesar Ruiz making the calls on the line. It was. He was doing a lot of it. And then you lost a lot of offensive line. The, the One of the issues with that setup in, in relying on the offensive line to, to set the protections themselves is offensive linemen get hurt all the time. Like, it's just a mat- it's matter of time. And, you know, I know Teron Armstead actually had a pretty big involvement in some of the protections being set. And, like, that just comes with being a veteran and being able to see stuff that you identify and you can tell. Like, there were, there were clips where you could actually hear Teron being like, he's not coming. And then, and then like, the blitz would, like, back off. You know, and it's like, that's just, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a tough thing. I remember there was an interview with Peyton Manning where he was talking about Ray Lewis and this is very different, but also the same kind of concept where he would have a play and he'd be like, oh, it's perfect play for every play. And then you'd be like, you'd hear Ray Lewis and you'd be like, it's a screen, watch the screen. And then Peyton would be like, God damn it, he called time. I'm like, he knows the play. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny. It's like you, you, like that is such that cat and mouse thing that people don't see. Because it's, you're watching the broadcast, you're watching the game. You don't hear it. You don't. You're not in the huddle. You're not at the line of scrimmage. That is a, as big a part of anything as as you of you being successful is doing those little minute things correctly. Um, and that's why you know I, I'd much rather have a veteran quarterback than a baby quarterback. <laughs> you know. No, and the the difference. I mean, I, I'm curious to see too, just because that that is a big factor that you know that that's gonna that. That pressure, that job, whatever you want to say, is back on with Derek with Derek Carr running the show and alleviates that from you know the, the offensive line having to worry about it. It's a pretty big factor, I think. It definitely the offensive line definitely appreciates it. Absolutely. Um, but all right, I know Steve, you got to go. I do want to leave you with one more clip here, and it's talking talking about baby quarterbacks. Well, we have a baby New Orleanian here, and I mean that in the very figurative sense because it's Derek Carr. He had his first power outage. Of like apparently his life right. <laughs> arriving in, that in California. I guess they don't lose power anywhere else. Um, here's here is him talking about his five hour power outage. Man, you know what? We freaked out a little bit. I was like, is this going? <laughs> like, is this going to be forever? <laughs> like, does it does it ever come back on? You know, I'm check. I was trying to check on my phone like when our street they had the little street lines. I'm like checking when it's going to come back on. It's like five hours. I ain't never been without power five hours. <laughs> and my grandmother said, "You're going to be all right." You know, she grew up no power. And so she's like, you're going to make it just turn some candle, light some candles if you need to. But, uh, no, we we're working on a generator. I'm working on that. I've learned that that's, that's uh, pretty important. Um, but we're, we're working on that, but we, we did make it. We survived. I didn't know if my kids were going to make it, but they made it. They, they were all right. <laughs> Better get used to it, Derek. <laughs> Never had a five hour power outage. Just like, sir, may I may I interest you in a five day power outage? <laughs> oh, <laughs> please no, please no. Like it's just so funny to me. Um, hopefully no, he never great... has to deal with longer than a five hour power outage. That's my wish say, for him. Get, get wait, just wait for your you know hurricane warning, hurricane season, and he's gonna go. Oh man, now I'm following all these spaghetti models, and oh, it's going this way, it's going that way. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna wish he never left Vegas. <laughs> Oh man. But no, I mean, I think this off season is going to be a lot of fun to watch and to cover because 
you're you like, and for the same reasons, I think that Jawan Johnson feels like the energy where came full circle is a little different. It's a, and it's, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Cause you know, you, you, you feel like optimistic, right? Like you feel like there are, the pieces are in place now that, you know, with, you know, stuff like Alvin Kamara's lawsuit or uh, criminal trial, notwithstanding, you're in a really good position and you, and everything is set up for success and you just got to go out there and take it. And uh, so it's just going to be very fun to watch this group kind of mold together. And hopefully the season comes and it, there is this really great product on the field and they win a bunch of games and it's just a palate cleanser from the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era. And you can kind of start fresh because uh, that's what the last two seasons felt like to me. And that's what I think made it frustrating is there was just the ghost of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, like hanging over the franchise. And that includes the, the final year Sean Payton was here. Cause I feel like that also included the ghost of Sean Payton actually in the room. <laughs> Cause I don't think you were getting the full go Sean Payton that season. And so hopefully that changes. Hopefully they can kind of create their own identity with this group. And you, there's something that's fun to watch because it's been a while since you've gotten to the end of a sports season in New Orleans and felt like, man, this is great. Let's do it again. No. And hopefully, like you say, the pieces all come together, works out. Uh, we all we've we recognize the strength of schedule. If you want to look at that as being, you know, obviously in favor of this team, it looks like it's worked out with the fact of how their travel is set up the bye week uh, the competition, even just in the division and in the conference, uh, this team should, should be a playoff contender. Easiest game schedule in Saints history. According to Hyphen Bobby Hebert. That's what he says. But all right. I think that's going to wrap it up. Thanks Thank everyone you. for listening. We have another set of OTAs coming up on Tuesday. So we should have an episode coming at you Tuesday morning and I'm getting you ready for that. So we'll have to come up with something. It's going to be weird because like we're talking about the same thing over and over again. I'm sure we'll find something. I'm sure something will happen over the weekend. Maybe a Sear Durant will get cut. <laughs> we have to talk about that. But yeah, otherwise, listen to Sports Talk 4 to 8 p.m. I'll be on there with Steve on Friday. That'll be a good time. Yeah, unless Any somehow, I don't think LSU baseball can preempt us. That's a good point. Who knows? Who knows, right? You're playing right now as we record this. Yes. All right, that's it. Who dat? See you on Tuesday. Peace. Good night.